the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently, and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. Let us pray. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of praying. We just love you. We bless you. And um, you're so good. You are able. And because of your power and your ableness, we can stand and preach. We can come and gather and worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Have your Bibles. Turn with us. We're tracking right through 1 John. And uh, this morning we are on 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. We've already given you the introduction to John. Uh, we've had a quiz on that introduction. We've preached through chapter 1 of 1 John already. And now we are commencing with 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 is what we'll be laboring this morning uh, to the glory of God. And there you'll find these words. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandment is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And from this particular passage of scripture we want to preach this morning, how to know if I'm genuinely saved. What a question. How to know if I'm genuinely saved. Saved. Many Christians, even though saved, still struggle with the assurance of their personal salvation. When many believers are asked, are you going to heaven? They respond by saying, I hope so. I think so. Beloved, God doesn't want you to live your Christian life in doubt, 
in uncertainty, in fear, worry, or anxiety as to whether or not you're saved. What a terrible way to live being a Christian. And neither does the Lord want you to live a deceived life thinking you are saved when you're not really saved at all. It is God's desire and my desire as well to see you no longer struggle with this issue, but rather settle the matter today so that you can have a sure spiritual foundation upon which to build your spiritual life to live confidently in your eternal security. The beloved Apostle John begins this particular chapter speaking to Christians, affectionately referring to them as the first three words says, my little children. You should see that in the text, my little children. With a fatherly, spiritually fatherly concern, the aged old apostle often used this expression of endearment to address the issue of sin and their assurance of salvation. This apostle had been walking with God a long time. He was called by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He seen, he had seen Jesus. He, he was with Jesus when he, when Jesus did miracles, signs and wonders and he ate with Jesus. He was there. He touched Jesus. He handled Jesus. How can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved. I don't want you wondering about that. As your pastor, I want you to know that you know, that you know, you know, you know, you've been born again and all the demons in hell can't make you doubt the validity and genuineness of your salvation. Because when you know that you're saved without a doubt, then you can minister to others and help them to know and have the assurance of their salvation. But you can't dispense what you don't have. But maybe you have it, but you're so unsure that you can't even dispense it because you're uncertain. So that's a real question that we want to deal with this morning. Uh, how can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? How can I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? Number one, living by what is written in scripture gives one the assurance of his salvation. Living by what is written in scripture gives one the assurance of his or her salvation. First John chapter two, verse one, a says, my little children, these things I write to you. Look at that. That's in the first verse. We're coming straight from the text. Little children. There it is right there. My little children, these things I write to you. Then in first John chapter five, verse 13, annotate that if you will. It says, these things I have written to you. Uh, this is a beloved John writing in, in this chapter, chapter five. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe 
in the name of the Son of God. You can't say, I, when you've been born again, you don't say, well, I believed yesterday or two days ago, but I don't believe the day tomorrow I believe, and the next day I don't believe. One year I believe, one year I don't. Oh, no. Uh, we believe here in the doctrine of eternal security. Once you've been genuinely born again by the Spirit of God, saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by believing in the atoning death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, you believe and you keep on believing. And no one, nothing, no person, no thing, no devil, no demon can cause you to doubt your salvation. Salvation is not based on feelings. You know, some people want a fuzzy feeling. Oh, oh I felt it. Oh, it was, am I, I got goosebumps. But goosebumps is not a sign of salvation. Well, I, I, I do good deeds. I help the poor. I go to the jails. Uh, I, I feed the hungry and on and on it goes. Good deeds are good and we are saved by the blood of Jesus. And once we save, God required that we, we do good deeds, but we're not saved by good deeds. Some people say, well, I'm a good moral person. But being a good moral person can't save you. You got people say, well, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't gamble. And they can just, they can stay up here all day long with 50 things they don't do and still bust hell wide open. Because being a good moral person does not save you. That's right. It's believing in the gospel, Jesus Christ alone, that saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. You can be a good moral person and go to hell. Maranatha's annual math and science camp for 3rd to 12th graders will be held on Saturday, July 31st from 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. This year's focus is careers. Join us for fun, hands-on learning demonstrations, work vehicle parade, and prizes, all for $5 per person. Register on Maranatha's Facebook page. Others say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm religious. I have religious talk. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ain't he good? When the praises go up, the blessings come down and all that kind of stuff. They know all the spiritual lingo. And you can say all of that and still not know God. You can shout all over the place and not know God. You can wear religious trinkets and crosses and symbols and T-shirts and all and not have a personal relationship with God. You can take comfort in church attendance. Well, I come to church in the rain. I come to church when there are few here. I come to church when all is well and not so well. Good church attendance does not save you. Church membership does not save you. Now, I believe in church membership and you ought to be accountable and in a good Bible teaching church where you can grow into Christ likeness, using the gift that God has endowed you with to be a blessing to the body of Christ and others in the body of Christ using their gifts to be a blessing to you. That's the value of in-person worship. But being a good member of a church and having your name on the membership roll does not save you. You can have your name on the membership roll five times and still go to hell. Salvation, listen to me closely, and you are listening, I can see it. Salvation comes only 
from believing and obeying what is written in the word of God. This book tells you how to be saved. Salvation comes only from believing and obeying what is written in the Bible, the word of God. First John 513 says that you may know that you have eternal life. This book, the Bible will give you the assurance of your salvation when you read it, receive it, believe it and activate it in your life. Well, what must a person believe to be saved? It's right here in your Bible. And I'm going to give you a number of scriptures. Uh, you don't have to turn to them. Just annotate them because these are salvation scriptures. They're not complete, but but I want to give you a sense of uh, having some of them so you can reference them as it relates to your salvation. What must a person believe to be saved? And I'm going to be coming straight from the scriptures and you can use these scriptures to the day you depart to be with the Lord and being a blessing to humanity and those who cross your life, particularly your children and your grandchildren. Ready? What must a person believe to be saved? John 1.12 says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. John 3.36 says, he who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. If he does not believe in the son of the living God, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of John chapter five, verse 24, jot it down. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What a scripture. John 5, 24, Acts 4, 12, which says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name, no other name except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine is a great verse on salvation. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You, I'm so glad this is a free gift. If we had to pay for this gift, then it wouldn't be a gift. And you'll be talking about how you saved yourself. Staking up the place. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I read it again, for by grace, it's unmerited favor. You have been saved through faith, trust in Christ alone, and that not of yourselves, not anything in you can save you. You're just as, we're just as depraved and wretched as we can be. In my flesh dwells no good thing. It is the gift of God, not of works. I can't work myself into the kingdom, lest any man should boast about how he saved himself, which is foolish. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses three and four is a wonderful gospel passage. It says, for I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That's the gospel, my friends. That's what we must believe, my friend. That's the difference between a person going to heaven and hell. That is one of my favorite scriptures right there. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrate his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, a hot mess, depraved and estranged from God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.13 says, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not calling on Buddha. It's not calling on Confucius. It's not calling on some popular uh, entertainer or some politician. It's calling on the name of Jesus, crying out, saying, Lord Jesus, have mercy on my soul. Save me by your blood. I'm a wretch. I'm undone. Come into my heart. Save me like only you can do. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then I like this grand passage found in Romans 10, 9 and 10, which says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you got to confess with your own mouth and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your own heart. And let me tell you something. Uh, nobody can get saved for you. You got to get saved for your own soul's sake. Uh, salvation is non-transferable. I can't transfer my faith to this brother here, uh, to, to this sister over here. Oh no. Uh, and, and your grandmother cannot, you cannot be saved by your grandmother's faith. You got to confess with your own mouth. This scripture says, and believe with your own what? Heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. By the way, God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. He only has what? Children. Only has children. Spiritual children. My friend, salvation, as well as the assurance of your salvation, only comes by believing what is written in the authoritative word of God Satan is a specialist in using every strategy at his his disposal to get you to doubt your salvation, which causes you to struggle in living the successful Christian life. He will use every strategy at his disposal to keep you struggling and lacking the assurance so you won't be as as effective as you could be. Uh, Secondly, how do you know? uh, How can you know when you're genuinely saved? Uh, Number two, a continual decrease of sin in a believer's life give evidence to his salvation. A continual decrease of sin in a believer's life give evidence to his salvation. First John chapter two, 
verse one says, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. I reiterate a continual decrease of sin in a believer's life gives evidence to his salvation. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. First John two, one, there will be a conviction and hatred of sin, which results in a diminishing of sin in a believer's life. When he is growing, when he or she is growing in Christ and living by what is written in the Bible, I reiterate, there will be a conviction. The Holy Spirit will convict you. He will convict you of sin and you will hate sin, which will result in a diminishing of sin in a believer's life when he or she is growing in Christ and living by what is written in scripture. As you're growing in Christ and reading your Bible and loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, there will be a decreasing sin factor in your life. As you, you, you've been in Christ 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you ought to be sinning to a lesser degree now than you were 20 or 30 years ago. If you're 60 years old and you sin in 20 times over, I doubt the validity of your salvation. There ought to be less sin in your life. There ought to be victory over sin because of your walking with the Lord. If you sinning all over the place, making a mess wherever you go, then something is quite wrong with your relationship with the Lord. There's a decreasing of sin, a hatred of sin, a despising of sin when you are growing in Christ. Thirdly, how do you know what? That you're genuinely saved. Being confident that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. That's A-D-V-O-C-A-T-E. Being confident that the Holy Spirit is our advocate on earth. And Jesus is our advocate in heaven. Gives believers assurance of salvation. Being confident that the Holy Spirit is our advocate on earth and Jesus is our advocate in heaven gives believers assurance of salvation. You see, the Holy Spirit and Christ will help us when we are weak. The Holy Spirit and Christ, they will help us when we attempt it. And when we fall into sin, the Holy Spirit begins to work and God begins to convict us and help us to get back up and uh, to, to, to cleanse us so that we can go on and continue to live the Christian life. The Greek word for advocate is parakletos. The Greek word for advocate, you see that word in the Bible? It's parakletos. It means a helper. It means a helper. In the Gospel of John, helper refers to the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, uh, helper refers to the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 14, chapter 14, verse 16 says, and I pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Also in John 14, 26, it also says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, advocate in first John chapter two, verse one, y'all hanging with me? 
advocate in first John two verse one refers to Christ. It refers to Christ in first John two, uh, chapter two, verse one, first John two, one B says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father. Look, Jesus Christ, the righteous. An advocate is one who comes alongside to help. An advocate is one who comes alongside to intercede, to plead, or defend the cause of another. Let me say it again. An advocate is one who comes alongside to help, to intercede, to plead, or defend the cause of another, just as a defense attorney would do to represent his client. Beloved, be it known to you today that Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is our helper and our defense attorney. And when we sin, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, bring charges against us before the father. You say, how you know that? Because of Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 B, which says, for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan is accusing you constantly. He hates us and he's always bringing evil things about us, true or non-true, and lies before the Father. And even should they be true, Jesus, our defense attorney, steps in on our behalf and says, yes, My child has sinned, but he has confessed his sins and therefore his sin is covered. That particular sin is covered by the blood. And when God sees the blood of his son, our acquittal is guaranteed and God declares us innocent. All this is possible because Jesus is the perpetuation for our sins Jesus is the perpetuation for our sins. First John chapter two, verse two, a says, and he himself is our perpetuation for our sin. Now the word perpetuation, say perpetuation. Some of you have never said that before, but say it, try to say it anyway. Perpetuation. Perpetuation means appeasement. It means satisfaction, appeasement or satisfaction. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross totally satisfied the righteous demands of a holy and just God from the punishment of sins. Let me say that again so you can grasp it. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross totally, 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 totally satisfied the righteous demands of a holy and just God from the punishment of our sins. In other words, God the Father is satisfied with the finished work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ who fully, sufficiently, and completely redeemed the sins of his children by taking on the wrath of God in our place, which is called the substitutionary death of our Lord on the cross. The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word, for his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge Him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. 
You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. If you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the Radio Broadcast Support Fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.